Hello and welcome to Baby Talk. This is our show for Saturday, August 14th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the degenerate flophouse, joined from an undisclosed location in Saratoga Springs. It certainly looks like a hotel room, and that would only make sense by from Gainesway, very busy man this week, Sean Tugel. Sean, how are things? Doing great, Pete, and uh, appreciate the uh, tour of the flop house there uh, a couple days ago. Lovely place. <laughs> it's not uh, bad. It, it's no, much it's, nicer it's than the name suggests. Isn't that Absolutely. fair to say? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, enjoyed enjoyed our time there. And then certainly, uh, you know, being leading consigner at the, uh, the Saratoga sale last week, the 100th Saratoga sale, it makes it even more special and selling the sales topper for $2.6 million. Uh, doesn't get much better than that. Very exciting stuff for sure. Folks have read about that story elsewhere, I'm sure, uh, or seen on social media. Keisha Courtney was there for In the Ring, getting all the big stories from the sales. Saratoga Special does a great job of covering as well. But give us a little bit of recap on the story of the sales topper. Yeah, so uh, bred by Don Alberto Farms, uh, excellent nursery in Lexington. They're also a large breeder in, in Chile. So they've come up probably in the last decade and have built a, a great broodmare band, including uh, Paola Queen, who uh, was the dam of this end of mischief colt that topped the sale. She herself was a great one winner of the test stakes right here at Saratoga. Um, so when you bring up uh, an end of mischief out of a grade one winner who looks like an absolute monster, uh, everybody lands on them now. Were we all expect to get $2.6 million? No, not at all. But um, but it's fun when it does go there. And it was a heated battle. And and and, and once it gets up over about a million five and you start seeing everybody with their, their heads going, who's bidding, which way? And it, it just gets fun and intense. And certainly being that, that it was at Saratoga makes it even even better. Who ended up with the horse? The, uh, Coolmore. So, the, so Coolmore. And uh, I believe Jacob West was the underbidder. So uh, it was it was pretty good. I mean, it was those two battling out for probably almost a million dollars. I think we were around a million five with partners and, and we bowed out. And uh, but uh, it, it, it was a great battle. That's exciting stuff. That, that's the real fireworks that make the that sale so special. The best of the best. And the, the energy was rolling through that building, especially open night, opening night. Great to have uh, the, the fans back outside and just a just a ton of people and, and, and super fun. But that's the stuff that we usually reserve for our old podcast, the In the Ring Show, that Acacia Courtney has taken that ball and, and uh, run with it across the goal line. Meanwhile, we are here to talk about uh, two-year-old racing specifically, and we're going to start off with uh, a two-year-old race from Ellis Park that we're going to be having on this uh, on this Saturday. It's their last race of the card, and we're on the turf for this one, if I'm looking at the right race this time. Correct. One mile on the turf. Um, look, we we, uh, we talk about Ian Wilkson and his first-time starters and, and usually how he needs to give one. So I go straight to the seven here, Violetto, uh, second-time starter for Ian Wilkes. Ran a very respectable buyer first time out, but also was only beaten a half length. And it looked like uh, it came running down the lane late, which is something you like to see. And now stretching out to two turns, uh, has Chris Lindaro's aboard. I like the seven to two morning line. Um, so I landed on on Violetto as, as my top choice. But uh, also two first time stars that grabbed my attention. Certainly anytime you see Brad Cox there with with a high priced uh, first time starter, he's got the quality road Philly all luck for his longtime clients, Klein Racing. Uh, this was a $220,000 Keeneland September yearling purchase. Looks like it's working well. It's nine to two. 
Um, sometimes I like to lean towards those horses that have the experience. Uh, you never know here. The board, the board might get get hot on the Brad Cox and take all the money just because of the name recognition. And we might see the Ian Wilkes drift up a little bit. That's just me. Maybe forecasting it. Maybe seven goes off favored as well. I like those two as my top two choices. But as we discussed in previous podcasts, Vicki Oliver's barn is on fire, hitting the board, winning races. She won both the uh, Dueling Ground Oaks and Dueling Grounds Derby preview stakes races there last weekend. Uh, so she's sitting there at 12 to 1 with a noble mission. I like the breeding for turf. Uh, I like the way the barn's going. So at 12 to 1, that horse is definitely going to be in all my exotics. I was a little master of the obvious here, though. We did have the same top pick. I like that run from Violetto, making the early move maybe a little bit too into, into a pace that was coded as hot on the fractions on Timeform US. Anyway, Violetto looked like one. She looks sure to improve in the second start. And then Stepper, I thought, was interesting with the two races, improved each time, and that pace was also coded fast that, that she was laying close to and making a move into late on and already has that experience going a mile. Corey Lannery keeping the call for uh, Mr. Drury down there. Another one I thought was worth keeping on side. Is that a horse you might have on some tickets or did you have a, did you have any kind of any knock on the eight stepper? Yeah, certainly the eight stepper is a horse, you know, putting the blinkers on already having the two starts, which gives it a, a nice uh, advantage on the fitness. I just think I would have liked to have seen a better move forward from the first to the second, a little bit higher increment of a buyer speed figure was beaten one and three quarter lengths already. And I just, I feel like a fresh face in the, in this spot would be where my money's going to go. I, I feel like maybe this horse um, is a little bit of a sucker play. All right. We're calling me a, calling your co-host a sucker. That's very nice. Very nice. We'll see how it turns out at Ellis Park. Let's move to Saratoga. We've got race number six, two-year-old maiden Colts, 100,000 in the pot, going six furlongs on the dirt. How do you see this one, my friend? Well, the eight-horse General Strike, who's owned by Gainesway Farm, we bred, we bred the horse, and uh, longtime friends of ours, Winchell Thoroughbreds, uh, that purchased 50% of the horse, um, at the sale for 250, so so we decided to stay in. It's a lovely colt. Uh, we've been waiting for this horse for months, so uh, I'm not going to diverge anywhere else. Certainly, the two power agenda is a very well thought of horse. Um, that's a horse that that Todd Pletcher and 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 the Rapoli St. Elias stables. There's been a lot of chatter about that, um, but ever since the video surfaced from Laredo, Texas, about five months ago, and and showed four horses breaking four or five horses breaking out of out of the gate and all of a sudden this big beautiful chestnut couldn't be pulled up and almost tried to lap them so uh general strike is one that we're very excited about and uh expecting hopefully a really big performance that's great info uh, getting the inside perspective here on the show i had a few others i wanted to ask you about uh starting off with the one that's run number 10 montauk point who looked like one that uh that seemed sure to improve watching the tape of that race had one of those very educational looking runs for a Shug McGahee runner. We know that his two-year-olds as a whole have been running well and typically do improve from that first start to the second. That was one I wanted to keep in the mix. I was interested a little bit in the nine don't wait up based on the, the gate work uh, uh, that looked pretty strong. And I like the upstarts typically 
first time out and the fact that this one cost 20 times the stud fee at a two-year-old in training sale, as we've discussed, that's an angle I like. My note on don't wait up is if any ability is shown, look to keep on side next time because Anthony Dutro historically, another one, they typically do better second time than first time out. But if the price was right, I, I did want some don't wait up in the mix. And also a little bit of Urban Forest, who, to be honest, I did this race before morning lines. If five to one is the price, that's probably short enough for a Bill Montferster down at the rail. But I was thinking that because this is a Bill Montferster down at the rail, that price might drift up significantly and you might get high single figure odds or maybe even double figure odds on the one Urban Forest. Did you have any thoughts on any of the three that I mentioned or any of the others in this spot? Yeah, I think the 10 Montauk point certainly looks like a horse that um, is very live. You know, having just discussed the first time starters, this horse have already having a, a start under the belt. Plus, I do like the outside post. Uh, we'll be able to kind of sit the trip. Personally, I think this, even though it's a half sibling to, to Kefefe, we also sold this horse. I think he is going to do much better as, as they stretch out. Uh, I still think six furlongs may be a little short for what this horse actually wants. And knowing the inside track on these other two first-time starters, uh, I mean, I we, we may see an absolute superstar between the, the Pletcher horse or the Asmussen horse come out of this. So having that said and knowing what those horses are like coming into this race, um, you know, Montauk Point's going to have to probably improve up to maybe low 80s. You know, that's that's almost what I, I think could those two horses could run first time out, which means, you know, Mott from the rail, you know, or maybe, uh, you know, the other horse that we were talking about um, that, that you didn't bring up that, that interests me a little bit. It's a barn that, that having a great meet is Robertina Diodoro, uh, the Wildcat Red. He's a first year sire. Uh, he was all speed. Um, and, and you see this horse, which was a $70,000 two-year-old, which for, for Wildcat Red was, was very respectable, uh, 15 to 1 on the morning line. We, we, we like our long price uh, horses on this show. So, uh, you know, to go outside the box a little bit, if I'm looking for a bomb to fill underneath, I'm, I'm going to probably go with the Wildcat Red, the five wild appeal. I like it. You did. You had that amazing call last week with the Medallia Doro that uh, that basically caused a pick six carryover. We did have a couple of listeners say they were alive in that last race. Thanks to your great shout on that one. Obviously, it didn't work out because the thing carried. But it was uh, it was it was a great shout by you. And we always like to get those bigger prices from you as well. And I mean, part of the fun of the show is to be able to get a little bit of that uh, inside info, if you will, because yes, if you're playing the pick six on, on Saturday, as many listeners will, you'll be able to see, I would imagine in the tote board, the information that you're conveying to us is going to be appearing on the tote board. But let's say you wanted to close out a pick three in this race. To me, knowing ahead of time, what that steam is going to be into a blind race, like the pick three that closes out here, that's where the Baby Talk listeners can really get some value in terms of their money. And I know I'm going to be looking extra hard at that sequence and, and trying to do just that to your to your runners in this spot. Let's move on to graded stakes two-year-old action in race number nine, the Saratoga Special, going six and a half on the dirt. Always interesting to see what happens when these distances get a little bit longer. Sean, who's your idea of the winner? Well, fantastic to see a big, big field, 12 horses, great, great handicapping race. Um, I'm going to land with my top choice on the six, Stolen Base. Uh, love that that it, that 
the Colt has already won over the over the track. Um, let's be let's you know. Also, it's coming out of a restricted main special weight, but this is restricted race, not a state bred race. It's a restricted race for horses that sold, I believe, for fifty or forty five thousand or under RNH. So that's how this horse was able to sneak into that race. And with a 71 buyer speed figure, that is good enough to sometimes win all those open maiden special weight races. So I love I love the eight to one. Um, you know, Gaffleone is not on the horse. And now we have Jose, which maybe he's first call rider for for maker in, in certain situations. I don't think Gaffleone's a great rider. Jose is a great rider. I think either or you're getting a, a hell of a rider on the back of the horse. So um but maybe, maybe the Jose maybe moves you up just a tick. Um, I love this horse. I, I'm landed right there. Um, simple, simple fact that that <clears throat> coming from a hot barn. I like the work pattern. I like the first race. Um, and then I think that the eight horse, Doctor Jeff, who's the two to one morning line favorite, working extremely well. Certainly saw Rudy Rodriguez win uh, the Grade One with Bella Sophia here last weekend. Um, but has you know that race was on an off track it was an off the turf race uh and now you're going to come into a 12 horse field and be the two to one morning line favorite i I, i'm looking to beat this horse to be quite honest with you well it's interesting i did have dr jeff as the top pick just based on speed figures and also the presumptive pace scenario here where i thought he might be able to to get loose in this spot but there is other speed and it is six and a half. And you make an excellent point about that off the turf race. It feels like some of the trappier favorites you see around here in races like this are horses that earn their uh, earn their figure in an off the turf spot or a slop spot. This wasn't slop. It was just a good track for the maiden win for Dr. Jeff. But I mean, I'm, I'm taking your points of why Dr. Jeff could be vulnerable. A horse I'm not going to let beat me, Sean, what I've been talking about since April is Nakatomi for Wesley Ward. This is a horse that on the clock ran a, a really quick race back in at Keeneland. Uh, now, granted, we just said it, four and a half in the slop. How much does the time really mean? Well, in this case, I think it might mean something. The run at Ascot, this was one of the two wards I was very excited to bet, uh, to bet at Ascot and, and didn't run really all that badly. It was in the race and weak and late doing something very different. Now back on the right surface, who knows? I could see a world in which Nakatomi and Dr. Jeff end up dueling on the front end, but at uh, another one listed at eight to one on the morning line that I didn't want to, I didn't want to sleep on. I was definitely going to have some ones on the ticket as well. And then a horse that we've talked about uh, before on the show um, earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken, Gunite, the two was another one that I was interested in. I really like to see a two-year-old that has used different running styles effectively. This one's improved every start, and I thought might be the beneficiary of a hot pace with a nice little mid-pack run. So my numbers were going to be 8, 1, and 2, though I'm certainly going to be taking very much of an extra look uh, at yours based on the uh, based on your enthusiasm for, for number 6 here. Any other thoughts on any of the runners in here that I mentioned or, or elsewhere? Yeah, no, I totally I, – I think that the, the – the two horses you mentioned, the one Nakatomi and the two Gunite, were both horses I gave a hard look to, and both horses I think will be in the mix. Look, the one horse, anytime Wesley Ward's down on the rail, that gives you a little bit more comfort of, of liking the rail horse because you know they're going to get out of the gate. Exactly. Uh, also, you know, firing line over a flatter, 
bred for dirt. This is probably going to be the first time this horse gets fast dirt. So breaking from the rails should have speed, fast dirt, firing line over flatter mare should love the six and a half furlongs. If that horse gets out, breaks well, you know, speed has been holding extremely well here at the track. So I do think that horse is extremely live. And the big unknown is the fact that it hasn't run on fast dirt, which I think might be its preferred surface. Uh, now the two gunite, you add blinkers, the buyer speed figures, they've been increasing a little bit each time, certainly as, as, as the horse has gone from five, five to six, now to six and a half. Uh, the gun runners continue to do very well. They had two great stakes winners last weekend. So, um, he's got every right to, to win this race as well. So, you know, maybe Nakatomi, um, definitely watch the tote board. If, if it's very cold on the tote, maybe that's telling you something. It is kind of quick to come back from Ascot. That takes a lot out of a horse, especially a young horse. So that's another factor you have to take into play. But we keep talking about two-year-olds and fitness and, and racing in the fitness and gun night. This will be its fourth lifetime start. And I think that's a big, big uh, advantage for him uh, versus some of the others that are a little less seasoned. And adding blinkers, I also think, definitely um, can be, you know, it, you don't see necessarily Asmussen make a lot of equipment changes. Um, they're usually subtle. Uh, so do I think the blinkers on is going to make a huge difference with the horse? I'm not sure, but it might make that just a little bit of enough of a difference. Either keep him, you know, right there, close up and focused. Um, you know, obviously there's a reason why the Hall of Famer put the blinkers on. So it's got to be a reason to think that it's going to improve the horse. So, uh, you know, I think that horse is extremely live. All right. Good stuff, Sean. Thank you for your insight on these races. We're going to be back with a six race show for tomorrow. We'll be recording that later today. That one might not drop until I don't know when we're going to drop that. We might not drop that one till till Saturday, but we'll have it ready to rock and roll. We'll get this one up as soon as we can. Uh, appreciate your your time today, and, and and we'll be talking soon, my friend. Always a pleasure, Pete, and uh, good luck to all the uh, the players. I hope they get some uh, nice winning tickets. We will thank Sean Tugel one more time. We'll thank our friends at Gainsway. We'll thank everybody out there for listening and watching. We'll be back on YouTube with this episode of Baby Talk. Give us feedback. We're eager to hear it. If we if we help you out, if we put you away, if you have an idea for other topics on the show or a question about betting on these two-year-old races, I contend they're some of the most interesting handicapping form study puzzles that are out there, and, and we want to hear from you, the listeners and viewers as well. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>